You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. What? Sweden. Not Sweden. Not Sweden. Oh, pray for them. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. All the way from Sweden. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Scared for Sweden. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in rainy Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI. In Hawaii on Maui on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. The progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe five days a week on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. And my thanks to Angie Coiro for filling in for us on our previous episode. Uh, thank you very much, Angie Coiro. Much appreciated. I think she'll be back a little bit later in the week for us as well. Um, let me start here. 94-year-old Tokuji Yoshihashi remembers Japan's 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor and wondering what would happen to Americans like him who looked like the enemy. He soon found out. Exactly 75 years ago on Sunday, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066-9066, which paved the way for the incarceration of Yoshihashi, and 120,000 other Japanese Americans in desolate camps scattered across deserts and swampland. Yoshihashi remembers his anxiety at being locked up and the shock of seeing the barbed wire and armed military guards at his camp in Gia River, Arizona. According to Teresa Watanabe of the uh, Los Angeles Times today, uh, Yoshihashi left camp in 1944 to fight for his country, the United States of America. He still loved the country as a member of the U.S. Army's celebrated 100th Infantry Battalion 442nd Regimental Combat Team, which was a, seg a segregated unit of second-generation Japanese Americans. The battles they faced were brutal. One comrade threw himself on a grenade to protect fellow soldiers in the 1945 fight to break the German Gothic line in Italy. But Yoshihashi still remembers with pride President Harry S. Truman's words to his fighting unit. You fought not only the enemy, but you fought prejudice and you won. 
Today, however, the aging veteran, 94 years old, wonders what his service to safeguard American freedoms and civil rights means at a time of President Trump and his executive order banning the entry of citizens from seven Muslim-majority countries. I hope they're not being wasted, Yoshihashi said, of the veterans' sacrifices during a recent interview. The uneasy parallels between two presidents and two executive orders singling out a class of people uh, were repeatedly invoked on Saturday at a packed Little Tokyo Forum out here uh, in L.A. Some 2,000 showed up for this one. They had to turn people away. This was on the 75th anniversary of the signing of Executive Order 9066. Former uh, Congressman Norm Mineta said in a statement delivered to the forum, as Japanese Americans who were directly affected by incarceration, we have a particular moral obligation to remind people that measures like the Muslim ban are not just unconstitutional, they are un-American. They undermine the very thing that sets our country apart, our enduring commitment to freedom and justice for all, said the congressman. So here we are, 75 years later, 75 years after a president signed an executive order uh, sending tens of thousands of Americans into concentration camps. And here we are, 75 years later, seeing another president, uh, if not sending them into concentration camps, uh, certainly trying to uh, take away their freedoms, trying to keep them from coming here at all, trying to send uh, send them out of the country. Dorothy M. Ehrlich, the uh, deputy executive director over at the ACLU, uh, wrote over the weekend about this 75th anniversary. She said, for many years, we have recognized the infamous date of that order, February 19, 1942, when the U.S. government began forcing nearly 120,000 Japanese Americans into concentration camps for fear that they posed uh, that they posed a threat to national security. She said, we've recognized that date for years with the Day of Remembrance at ceremonies throughout the nation designed to ensure that this indelible stain on our democracy is never forgotten. It is ordinarily a solemn occasion and a day of reflection, but on this day, the 75th anniversary of Executive Order 9066, our current anti-Muslim crisis sounds a chilling echo of that earlier injustice, which must not be ignored. This year, we are called to transform our quiet reflection into a fierce resistance, she writes. The 75th anniversary serves as a timely reminder of both the fragility of our democracy and the grave danger we currently confront. When President Roosevelt ordered this order, issued this order in 1942, she writes, the resistance was meek and the protest was mute. Japanese Americans stood virtually alone as they were literally rounded up from their homes and businesses and imprisoned in concentration camps. Only a handful of organizations and individuals publicly opposed the order. It was wartime and few institutions were willing to risk being labeled un-American. This fear was whipped into a xenophobic fervor by government officials' cynical uh, use of alternative facts, which were later proven to be deliberate lies offered to justify these racist policies as a wartime necessity. Sound familiar? On Saturday night, Donald Trump 
cited a non-existent incident in Sweden while talking about the relationship between terror attacks and refugees around the world during a rally, a campaign rally that he was giving in Melbourne, Florida. You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. Who would believe it? Who would believe it? Sweden. Well, Mr. Trump, uh, maybe your supporters would believe it. I suspect they would. In fact, no incident actually occurred at all in Sweden on Friday night. Sweden, because it is so cool, uh, has a different citizen uh, man the uh, the official at uh, Sweden Twitter account each and every week. The the poor woman uh, who manned it this week, a school librarian named Emma, who happens to be tweeting uh, on behalf of the Sweden account this week, she was baffled by the thousands of inquiries she started receiving to figure out what the hell happened in Sweden after these uh, comments from Donald Trump. She uh, tweeted, no, nothing has happened here in Sweden. There has not been any terrorist attacks here at all. The main news right now about uh, is about Melfest, she said. That's a, uh, that's a music competition which selects uh, Sweden's entry for the Eurovision Song Contest. Carl Bildt, the nation's former prime minister, took to Twitter himself on Saturday to say, Sweden, terror attack, what has he been smoking? Trump's reference to imaginary terror attacks in Sweden came a week or so after one of his top advisors, Kellyanne Conway, cited the non-existent Bowling Green Massacre in Kentucky. Remember that one, Desi Doyen? <laughs> that was only a week ago? That oh my was, God. Uh, yeah, it was a week or two ago, maybe. I know it seems like forever, but yeah, that one was imaginary as well. So what the hell was Trump talking about? Well, as it turns out, on Friday night... Uh, Fox News ran a story, as they do, on Tucker Carlson's uh, show featuring this uh, filmmaker claiming that there was rampant crime and violence and rape that was being carried out by Muslim refugees in Sweden. And, uh, and, and nobody knew what they were talking about. We had to actually go back and figure out what could he be referring to. Oh, well, yesterday on Fox News, there was this thing about Sweden. Maybe that was it. And then on Sunday, finally, Trump admitted in a tweet that, uh, yeah, that's what he was referring to uh, as what's happening last night in Sweden. So he put Sweden in with all of these other terror attacks around the world. But Sweden, who would have ever thought? Look what happened in Sweden. Who would believe this? They are having problems like they never thought possible. But he was uh, just as usual. He was just repeating what he saw on Fox News. That is where this president of the United States, who has access to the best information in the world, instead, he gets it from Fox News. That's where he now gets his, let's call it, intelligence. Uh, Trump tweeted, my, uh, my statement as to what's happening in Sweden was in reference to a story that was broadcast on Fox News concerning immigrants and Sweden. So why was Fox News on Friday claiming, as they do, that there is this... Uh, they didn't say there was a terror attack. So even Donald Trump couldn't even watch what was on Fox News and report that back correctly. He reported it back as if there was something terrible going on last night in Sweden. There wasn't. 
So what were they doing? What was Fox News doing? Well, as they do, they were pretending that there was rampant crime and violence and rape going on in Sweden. Why were they doing that? Well, because they need to. And essentially, in order to scare the hell out of their old, dumb, brain-addled white viewers, to scare them about Muslim refugees coming in from war-torn nations. And uh, and why would Fox News do that? Well, as it turns out, Sweden, a nation of, of just about 9.5 million, uh, a little bit smaller than, uh, for example, the state of North Carolina, about 9.5 million people in Sweden, they have led Europe in welcoming refugees from war-ravaged nations like Syria. They have they've welcomed some 200,000 refugees to Sweden in recent years, more per capita than any other European country and far more than the U.S. And and yet, like the U.S., they have had no zero terror attacks carried out by any of those refugees. So Fox News and Breitbart and all the right wing fake news outlets need they need to pretend that Sweden is now a living hell zone rampant with refugee crime, even if they have to make up statistics to do it and create Fox fake. Well, see, Fox News documentaries, but fake news documentaries to do it that they then air on Fox News. A Danish news website describing what the hell Fox News and the president of the United States had done in his remarks detailed uh, what this uh, xenophobic filmmaker who was interviewed on Fox on Friday night about this guy by the name of Amy Horowitz. They, uh, this uh, Danish news site detailed what he was talking about. He apparently has a documentary called Stockholm Syndrome, which describes immigration in Sweden as leading to violence and riots. Well, two Swedish police officers were interviewed in that film, a segment of which was shown on Fox. One of them, Andrew Anders Goranzen, explained to the uh, to the Swedish news outlet in response, trying to figure out what the hell all this was about, said, I don't understand why we are a part of this segment. The interview was about something completely different to what Fox News and Horowitz were talking about. Oh, so it was deceptively edited? That's exactly right. Sounds like something James O'Keefe would do. It sounds like something that everyone on the right does because they need to make up stuff to justify their policies, the things they want to believe. That's exactly what happened here. Uh, Gorenzin, uh, this uh, Swedish police officer, was asked why he was interviewed in the first place. He said it was supposed to be about crime in uh, in high risk areas, areas with high crime rates. There wasn't any focus on migration or immigration, he said. He said he was shocked by the segment. He said, we don't stand behind it. It shocked us. The filmmaker has edited the answers. He says we were answering completely different questions in the interview. Sound familiar? That's yep. what, of course, that's what James O'Keefe does. This is bad journalism. He said we answered a different question. We don't stand behind what he says. He is a madman, this uh, Swedish police officer said. The BBC noted uh, trying to figure out what Trump was talking about. And again, normally in the old days, I guess this wouldn't have mattered. I would have ignored it. But now he's the president of the United States. And I'm not going to respond to every uh, bit of stuff and nonsense that he puts out there. But uh, but this one is, is actually important. 
So the BBC was trying to figure out what Trump was talking about. They said that they noticed that Sweden uh, saw a sharp increase in asylum seekers in 2015 with more than 160,000 people arriving that year. With the influx, uh, tensions also rose with some isolated attacks on immigrants as well as pro- and anti-migrant demonstrations. Sweden, uh, they note, uh, has generally low crime rates. Preliminary statistics from the Swedish Crime Survey show only a marginal increase in 2016 from the year before. Fraud and, and crimes against individuals were up, but drug crimes and theft had decreased. So the number of reported rapes, which is something that the right seems to be fixated on for some strange reason... When it comes to Sweden and Muslims, uh, the number of rapes reported uh, did increase by 13 percent, although it is still lower than the number that was reported in 2014. Uh, before the worst of the uh, the Syrian refugee crisis uh, really struck, as uh, Sweden's the local reports, um, those numbers have remained low. And uh, Reuters reports overall the crime rate in the country that uh, has decreased uh, since 2005. The overall crime rate has decreased, even as hundreds of thousands of refugees have entered the country. There have been no terror attacks in Sweden since the country's open door policy on migration began in 2013. British historian Simon Schama says the uh, the real Swedish Swedish message. 200,000 refugees, no terror attacks. That's the real Swedish message, says Simon Schama, and I suspect that's why Fox News needs to counter that message. Because if you watch Fox and if you read right-wing sites, I don't even want to call them news sites, right-wing nut sites like Breitbart, whose CEO, the CEO of Breitbart, Steve Bannon, is now a Donald Trump's top political advisor. If you, if you watch those sites, if you watch those, those right-wing fake news sites, you would be familiar with these false fake news narrative uh, narratives that there's rape and, and, and murder, this rape epidemic really going on in Sweden, thanks to Muslim migrants raping Swedish women in unprecedented numbers. Among the headlines at Breitbart in recent years, police warn of child rape epidemic in migrant occupied Malmo. Migrants jailed after woman abducted at gunpoint, gang raped in, in hookah bar basement. Over at the wingnut, wingnut site uh, Virginia Dare, there was a piece uh, headlined Sweden's Refugee Sexual Assault Disaster. Pam Geller. You know her, right? The uh, wingnut loon, oh, yeah. uh, anti-Muslim loon. Sweden, her headline, Sweden crumbling. Demands for military invention as thugs turn Malmo into no-go zone. So, yeah. So what they did was on Friday night, Fox News uh, had this filmmaker Horowitz on. And he said that, uh, quote, from the onset of the refugee crisis, there was a surge in Swedish gun violence and rape. Not true. It turns out it's not true. Zach Bouchamp over uh, at Vox.com notes that these panics about immigration reflect a long history of sexual panics in the West about non-white immigrants. Scholars argue that warnings about an immigrant rape epidemic draw more on pre-existing Western prejudices about the violent sexuality of Muslim men than they represent a reaction to actual facts. The so-called rape epidemic is something 
anti-immigrant campaigners have latched on to to justify their pre-existing desire to shut the door on Muslim immigration. So, yeah, it, it was kind of funny when everybody on uh, Saturday night started referencing Trump's tweets on uh, on Twitter, referencing this non-existent event the night before in Sweden. Twitter took up the hashtags uh, last night in Sweden and uh, hashtag Sweden incident. Liam Fox, for instance, replied to uh, Trump's uh, look at what happened last night in Sweden by uh, by tweeting, Yes, look, millions are suffering from free health care, superb education, well-engineered cars, and awesome meatballs. <laughs> Hashtag pray for Sweden. The Swedish embassy in the U.S. had to respond on Twitter. They said, It's unclear to us what President Trump was referring to have asked U.S. officials for explanation. On Friday night, the night before the president of the United States repeated what he saw on Fox News as if it was real. Radio Sweden uh, uh, had uh, Henrik Sellen of the Swedish Institute responding to this long running right wing meme. Apparently, he noted that there are people whose political agenda suggests they would like to tell the story of countries not being able to receive that many refugees who seem to want to exaggerate problems. You think? On Sunday, the former prime minister of Finland tweeted, Dear Donald Trump, Sweden is immigration friendly, international and liberal. One of the most prosperous, richest, safest places on earth. Carl Bildt, the uh, former prime minister of, uh, of Sweden, said last year there were approximately 50 percent more murders. This was a today tweeted that last year there were approximately 50 percent more murders only in Orlando and Orange in Florida, where Trump spoke the other day, than in all of Sweden. He added, bad. <laughs> but of course, uh, all of that is why the right has to create this pretend narrative to the contrary. If they want to change laws to justify their racism, to keep immigrants out of the country, they need to pretend... Uh, that there that we live in a world in which immigrants and refugees are, are running havoc and, and killing people and committing uncontrollable crimes everywhere. And, of course, raping all the white women, I guess, because that's that's the really scary part for Fox News viewers, I suppose, whether they whether they admit it, whether they realize it or not. So I don't know. I don't know if 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 Trump even knows he's being duped by the nonsense that he sees on Fox uh, he is, after all, the old brain addled white guy uh, in chief right now. And so maybe I'm giving him more credit than he deserves. But I suspect he actually doesn't even know any better. In truth, I think he doesn't even know what he, that what he's saying is complete and utter nonsense. But I think Steve Bannon does his top political strategist, the former CEO of Breitbart. I think he sure as hell does. And the folks uh, behind Trump's actual policies to punish immigrants and refugees, they sure as hell know they're making up this BS. At least they think they do. Maybe they've convinced themselves of their own fake facts after so many years of repeating them over and over and over again. Maybe maybe they they must keep doing it. To, to just keep scamming all of the dupes and the chumps and the patsies and the suckers into allowing the policies they want. 75 years, 75 years after FDR signed Executive Order 9066, 
We confront a president now who is promulgating hateful anti-Muslim policies and similar propaganda about the dangers of disloyalty, linking that to the threat of terrorism, which is once again deeply rooted in racism and xenophobia, says Dorothy Ehrlich uh, over at her ACLU piece. She says, however, there is a sharp difference in the current crisis. Today's resistance is far from meek. Rather, it is intense and vigorous, she writes. The Muslim community does not stand alone. Instead, an inspiring nationwide protest movement movement has boldly stood up to confront Trump's policies. After weeks of protests and legal action, he has been forced to return to the drawing board But this is unlikely to be the end of his misguided policy, rather simply a pause. The resistance mounted against the anti-Muslim policy has, at the very least, significantly slowed the inhumane machinery that the president once thought was unstoppable. But there remain extraordinary dangers ahead, she warns. This administration is promulgating or threatening many proposals cut from the same cloth as Executive Order 9066. This coming week, the administration has said it will release its successor executive order designed to reactivate the Muslim ban, perhaps using more palatable language this time. The Trump administration is also conducting aggressive immigration raids across the country that seem to be a harbinger of even more draconian actions to come. The ACLU, she says, in alliance with many other organizations, stands ready to challenge these actions. Our commitment to do so truly honors and respects those Americans whom we remember on this solemn day, 75 years after EO 9066. And thank God ACLU is there to do that. You know, uh, I often warn listeners not to pay attention to what Trump says, to watch what he does. But, uh, of course, it's important to understand that much of what he says is meant to justify the policies that they are now trying to enact. This administration lies basically about everything. And then they describe, as as Trump did over the weekend, those of us who rebut those lies with facts. Uh, They describe us as, quote, enemies of the American people. That was Donald Trump calling the media enemy, the enemy of the American people. So that's how this works. That's how totalitarianism and fascism and dictatorships work. So uh, I don't intend to get into the business of fact-checking every piece of BS and nonsense that, uh, that Trump and his administration put out, every piece of fake news that they claim to be true. Yes, a lot of them are kind of funny because they're so ridiculous, as was this Sweden claim. But they are also in and of themselves damned dangerous because they form the basis of some pretty horrible and horrific and un-American policies based on that complete BS and nonsense. More such dangerous BS and nonsense is next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Abba Akbar. Abba Akbar. What? <laughs> Welcome back to the broadcast. Uh, any excuse to play our uh, favorite uh, Swedish uh, Abba there. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, so I, I've been trying to get to this uh, story because th- this is along the same lines as the previous one. They are trying to create, the, you know, it's hysterical that they're that they make up facts, that they make up terror attacks. Sure, that's uh, funny to some extent, uh, except the fact that policy is being based on it. There is a reason why they are making up these crazy things and we can make fun of them for being wrong and for saying stupid stuff. But it has a real life effect. You know, ask uh, ask the immigrants who have been rounded up over the past week. Uh, ask that, uh, that that young man who is a dreamer who moved here when he was, uh, what, seven years old, uh, who is still, I believe, uh, being detained up in Seattle, uh, allegedly had his uh, papers doctored by officials to to keep him in jail been trying to look into that case but this has so these things they're funny but they have a very real effect right now on a lot of people in this country and in other countries so i've been trying to get to this story for the past week we had so much breaking news over the past week i'm going to try to at least get in as much of this as i can a week ago sunday uh, i'm sure you saw clips of this but i need to respond to this because this is This is how they do it. This is how they create this false narrative, and this is how they use that false narrative uh, to then pass their policies that hurt a lot of people. uh, Let's see. About a week ago, during a meeting with 10 U.S. senators that was supposed to be uh, Donald Trump was meeting with these senators. It was supposed to be about uh, the Supreme Court nominee. Uh, The president started going off once again on the election, and he was claiming that he was the victim of widespread voter fraud in the state of New Hampshire. And this is because New Hampshire Senator Kelly Ayotte was in this particular meeting. She's been helping the Supreme Court nominee, the stolen Supreme Court nominee, Neil Gorsuch, work his way through uh, through the U.S. Senate. And uh, she lost her election bid in November, and she's now working with Gorsuch and Trump uh, to try to uh, Sherpa him through the uh, confirmation processes. So she was in that meeting with Donald Trump as he was meeting with senators, and he claimed that both he and Ayotte in New Hampshire would have been victorious had it not been for the, quote, thousands of people who were, quote, brought in on buses from neighboring Massachusetts to illegally vote in New Hampshire last November. According to uh, participants at the meeting, uh, there was an uncomfortable silence that overtook the room when Trump was making these claims. Hillary Clinton actually won New Hampshire reportedly uh, by uh, some 3,000 votes. IOT's margin uh, over Trump, IOT's margin there was uh, was much slimmer. Just 743 votes is what she lost by. 
So when this news broke, I think it was Politico originally broke it. Uh, the next day on the Sunday shows, uh, there was this uh, top senior advisor uh, of Donald Trump's, not Steve Bannon, but the other Steve, uh, Steve uh, Stephen Miller, uh, who was responding to these claims, these baseless claims that there were thousands of people bust into New Hampshire from Massachusetts, and that's the only reason why Donald Trump lost the uh, the four electoral vote to Hillary Clinton in the state. So uh, Stephen Miller goes on the Sunday shows. He responds to George Stephanopoulos, who pressed him very specifically for evidence, any evidence at all, on ABC this week. And uh, and Miller wasn't able to offer any actual evidence, but he did offer a tsunami of absolute rubbish in response. That has provoked a response from a member of the Federal Election Commission, Ellen Weintraub, who says, I call upon the president to immediately share New Hampshire voter fraud evidence so that his allegations may be investigated promptly. Uh, do you have that evidence? I've actually, having worked before on a campaign in New Hampshire, I can tell you that this issue of busting voters into New Hampshire is widely known by anyone who's worked in New Hampshire politics. It's very real. It's very serious. This morning on this show is not the venue for me to lay out all the evidence, but I can tell you this. Voter fraud is a serious problem in this country. You have millions of people who are registered in two states or who are dead or who are registered to vote, and you have 14% of non-citizens according to academic research no. at a at a minimum <laughs> no. are registered to vote which is an astonishing statistic you can't There's make a hold on a second you just claimed again that there was illegal voting in in new hampshire people bust in from the state of massachusetts do you have any evidence I'm to back anybody, that up anybody george go to new hampshire talk to anybody who's worked in politics there for a long time Everybody's aware of the problem in New Hampshire with respect to I'm asking you as the White House senior hold on a second. I'm asking you as the White House senior policy advisor. The president made a statement saying he was the victim of voter fraud, people and the being president, the from president, Massachusetts the president, the president was. Do and you have any evidence? An issue, if this is an issue that interests you, then we can talk about it more in the future and we now have our government's beginning to get stood up, but we have a Department of Justice and we have more officials. And the issue of voter fraud, some are going to be looking at it very seriously and very hard. But the reality is, is that we know for a fact you have massive numbers of non-citizens registered to vote in this country. Nobody disputes massive. that. And many, Nobody. many highly qualified people like Chris Kobach, the Kansas Secretary of State, have looked deeply into this issue and have confirmed it to be true and have put together <laughs> evidence. And I suggest you invite Chris Kobach onto your show and he can walk you through some of the evidence of voter fraud you have, you in greater detail. I, just for the right, you have provided oh, absolutely brother. no evidence. The president's made a statement. Uh, the White House has provided enormous evidence with respect to voter fraud, with respect to people being registered in more than one state, dead people voting, non-citizens being registered to vote. George, it is a fact, and you will not deny it. You will not. There are massive numbers of non-citizens in this country massive. who are registered to vote. That is a scandal. We should stop the presses. And as a country, we should be aghast about the fact that you have people who have no right to vote in this country, registered to vote, canceling out the franchise of lawful citizens of this country. Wrong. That's the story we should be talking about. And I'm prepared to go on any show, anywhere, anytime, and repeat it and say the president of the United really? States is correct 100%. Well, you, re you just repeated that. You just made those declarations. But for the record, you've provided zero evidence that the president was the victim of massive voter fraud in New Hampshire. You've provided people, people, zero evidence. Anyone who's worked Hold in New on. Hampshire politics is familiar with You have provided that zero evidence that the president's claim that he would have won the general, the, the popular vote but if, the, if three to five million illegal immigrants hadn't voted. Zero evidence for either one of those claims. Well, it's, it's, it's Thanks right. a the lot for joining us this morning. Issue.
The non-citizen voting issue is pervasive and widespread, and we are going to protect our country from voter fraud, we're going to protect our borders from terrorism, and we're going to protect innocent men, women, and children from violent, criminal, illegal immigrants mm -hmm. that need to be removed from this country, See? and our country will create jobs, safety, prosperity, and security, particularly for disenfranchised working people of every background, faith, and ethnicity in this country. See? See how that all goes together? Massive voter fraud, massive immigration protecting uh, our nation against the others, the non-citizen, massive, pervasive numbers of non-citizens on the roll. All of that stuff and nonsense, one after another. And good, good by the way, on uh, George Stephanopoulos oh, yeah, for he, doing his best to, He tried to again and again him. and again, and he did stand up to him. That... Uh, that was uh, Stephen Miller. Now, not that's just, not just some guy on Fox News. That is actually the top guy, along with Stephen Bannon, who is advising the president on on politics, on policy. The, uh, apparently, the two Stevens, uh, Miller and Bannon, were the ones who wrote that executive order that was uh, shut down by the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and by a whole bunch of other uh, courts. That executive order that uh, is probably going to be reissued in another form. So this is not just some crazy guy. This is a guy with a hell of a lot of power, and he's telling one lie after another after another on ABC, on ABC News. And this matters because it's both wrong and because it is being used to shape policy. Now, the Washington Post gave uh, Miller, quote, a bushel full of Pinocchios for the uh, false voter fraud claims. You heard him uh, go on and on about ask anyone in New Hampshire politics, anyone in New Hampshire politics. This is well known. People are bust in from New Hampshire to vote during elections. So uh, the um, Federal Elections Commissioner Ellen Weintraub, she was recess appointed by George W. Bush back in 2002. She says, show us the evidence. She says the scheme the president of the United States alleges would constitute thousands of felony criminal offenses under New Hampshire law. She said in a statement uh, calling on Trump to immediately share his evidence with the public and with the appropriate law enforcement authorities so that this so that his allegations may be investigated promptly and thoroughly. So the Federal Elections Commission uh, uh, commissioner there, Ellen Weintraub, is unfamiliar. She's been there since 2002. She's unfamiliar with these uh, claims, these wild claims of people coming in from New Hampshire. But, of course, she's not from New Hampshire. And Stephen Miller uh, said that anyone who has ever worked in New Hampshire elections knows about this massive voter fraud. Well, Fergus Cullen, who we've had on this show, a former New Hampshire GOP chair. And by the way, uh, as I recall, Des, he was telling me, remember this a little yeah. bicker we had with Fergus Cullen, uh, who said he's not aware of, of, of Republicans claiming there's a voter fraud epidemic. Well, I think Fergus Cullen is aware of that now. Because he tweeted after uh, after all of this uh, nonsense broke from uh, from Trump and his claims, he said, quote, I will pay one thousand dollars to first person proving even one out of state person took a bus from Massachusetts to any New Hampshire polling place last Election Day. Tom Rath, the veteran New Hampshire Republican strategist, he was one time attorney general in the state of New Hampshire. He tweeted, let me be as unequivocal as possible. Allegations of voter fraud in New Hampshire are baseless without any merit. It's shameful to spread these fantasies. That was uh, that was Tom Rath, the Republican strategist and attorney general. 
Steve Dupre, a uh, former New Hampshire state uh, rep, a four-term chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party, tweeted similarly, uh, quote, repeating, there is no voter fraud in New Hampshire, none, zip, nada, hundreds of lawyers, poll workers, watchers, press, no buses rolled in, he said. So that's uh, OK. So that's the New Hampshire stuff. But what about those studies that Stephen Miller went on and on again about the enormous amount of evidence that's been presented by the White House. Well, we've covered those studies, the ones that Miller refers to. Uh, I don't have time to go into the details once again, but this is you know, regarding the claims of massive numbers of dead people and non-citizens being on the voter rolls. The creator of, of, of both of those studies are sort of two different ones that they mix here, have explicitly rejected the White House claims. In the case of the Pew study, uh, citing that uh, the people who have died uh, who are still on the rolls or people who have moved being registered in more than one state, the author of that study said it had nothing whatsoever to do with voter fraud. And as we detailed on this show a couple of weeks ago, the report doesn't even discuss, uh, I think it says it doesn't discuss voter fraud. It uses the, fr the word fraud one time in the entire study. Regarding concerns that this deadwood on the rolls that people who, who die or who have moved out of state, uh, who are not taken yet off the rolls, uh, that this may give some the impression that fraud could occur. That's the impression that uh, the White House would love you to believe for a reason. The guy who created this, the, 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 the data uh, that's used in that study claiming massive numbers of non-citizens are voting. Uh, the guy who created the data said that, in fact, those uh, identified uh, in the study who identified themselves as non-citizens in that study actually had misidentified themselves because they used an online uh, survey. It was an error that some of these people identified a tiny little sample, identified themselves as non-citizens. And that is the number that has been extrapolated by folks on the right to this huge number of of non-citizen voting. And after going back to check with those people who had identified themselves as non-citizens, the creator of the data uh, found out that, in fact, zero non-citizens in their sample had actually voted in any election. All right. But what about uh, what about that guy, Chris Kobach, who uh, Steve Miller said, you need to have Chris Kobach on to talk about. It. He's the secretary of state of Kansas. We've talked about him many times. He uh, he he initially ran as secretary of state six years ago, claiming that uh, he was there to stop voter fraud, claim there was a massive voter fraud epidemic in Kansas. Of course, there isn't. Kate Baldwin uh, again had him on CNN and called him out, called out uh, Kobach, um, called him out after he had claimed that uh, New Hampshire, which ha does have same day registration, and they did have 6,000 voters register on Election Day with out of state licenses, which is true. And it is legal because they know there's people there, college students and so forth. Um, you know, people who study in New Hampshire that register to vote on Election Day. That's perfectly legal. And uh, she called out Kobach for that. Good for her. But Baldwin also pointed out um, that there's this whole, well, at least Kobach was pointing out that he's got this whole cross-check database, which tracks registrations in 30 different states, mostly run by Republicans, in order to check for registrations for people who may be registered in more than one state. That's not illegal either because people move and they register elsewhere and they don't unregister. 
But uh, he, he, so he points to this database uh, on, to use this theory of massive numbers of double voters. And my friend Greg Pallast, among others, have been charging that those databases were used to incorrectly purge voters from some of those states simply because uh, some of those voters had the same first and last name and birth date as another voter, even though they were different voters, sometimes had different middle names. Greg charges that uh, that these were uh, racially based purges that were carried out on that bad information. In any event, that's the database here that Kobach, uh, who is currently Donald Trump's top advisor on voting issues. That's the database that Kobach is referring to in this clip. So, well, so let me let's let's step back and look at the big picture. So of the 30 states, we have about three million people who are registered in more than one state. And that's right, not a crime. That's just an administrative it, right, including bookkeeping. Including president's son-in-law, including the president's treasury secretary. Exactly. Yeah. And, and many of your viewers are probably registered in more than one state. But what is a crime is if you actually vote in both of those states or in more than two of states. Of course it's a crime. And every but where year, is the thousands, evidence of this widespread, right, rampant, millions of people voting? If it had happened, why, why haven't we seen it, Secretary? Well, it, it, well, actually, if you maybe I don't know if your network has covered it, but in my state, uh, just people voting in Kansas and another state, my office prosecutes it. I just got that prosecutorial authority a year and a half ago. We've already filed yeah, nine cases. Yeah, from the cases, notes that I saw, you and we have nine six cases. guilty guilty pleas. Right. Six guilty pleas, one right. dismissed, two and, and pending. That's as January twenty fifth. Nine yeah. cases does not rampant, right. widespread voter fraud make. Nine cases, by the way, none of which would be stopped by the photo ID voting restrictions that Republicans are now trying to put in place that Chris Kobach has been calling for. These cases are people who uh, most of them Republican, by the way, uh, who had uh, who, who didn't know they were breaking the law. They might have had a house in another state. They voted in one election, uh, you know, for something or other in the other state via absentee. Colorado sent them a, a, a ballot and they voted. And then they also voted in Kansas, not for necessarily the same election or the same candidates. In any event, millions of votes, millions and millions of votes have been cast in Kansas since Chris Kobach came to power there six years ago. He so far has got six of them. He's caught six of them. And then after that disastrous CNN appearance, Kobach uh, went out on Twitter with a photo of himself and posted it uh, uh, him on CNN, uh, which says at the bottom, Trump aid repeats false claims of voter fraud. And Kobach tweeted this image. This image shows proof of CNN bias. They run text below my picture claiming my statements are false. So much for letting the viewer decide. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe he's thinking of a different network. Maybe he's thinking of Fox News. Uh, we report, you decide. Uh, Matthew Chapman responded, but it's a fact that you lied about voter fraud. He said this on Twitter, not a debate viewers can make value judgments on. A literal fact. You lied. Should CNN have let viewers decide who won the Electoral College? Or whether a damn spillway failed in California? In 1963, should networks have said, tonight was the president shot? Let's bring up our panelists to discuss. <laughs> Chapman went on to say, you are verifiably, indisputably lying about voter fraud and the media would give a false impression saying anything less. So good for the media, good for the corporate media for stepping up here for a change. Nonetheless, these lies work and they trickle down. They trickle down. 
Ari Berman on MSNBC uh, over the weekend. Uh, He pointed out that uh, Republican lawmakers in New Hampshire, despite the lack of evidence to support Trump and Miller's and Kobach's phony claims, they are already introducing bills based on Trump's false statements about voters being bussed in from Massachusetts. We're already seeing the impact of Trump's lies about voter fraud. So they, they claim that all of these people are illegally bussing to New Hampshire from Massachusetts. There's no evidence of this. But right now there are 40 bills in New Hampshire that would make it harder. 40 bills 40. in one state alone trying to get rid of same-day registration, trying to make it that you have to pledge that you're going to live in the state for the indefinite future to be able to vote there, which would disenfranchise college students, students and others, making that you have to register your car and get an in-state driver's license to be able to register to vote. This is crazy what they're doing. Crazy like a fox, maybe. Sherilyn Eiffel, uh, last week, the president of the uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund, wrote in an editorial in Washington Post uh, charging that Trump is laying the groundwork for a nationwide voter intimidation program. She was also on MSNBC over the weekend discussing Miller's false claims I don't have time to play them now, uh, but what she, you know, she was describing the infinitesimal problem of voter fraud compared to the very real problem, the non-imaginary problem of trying to vote in uh, in this country, given the voter suppression that is being carried out by Republicans. As of February one, uh, NYU uh, NYU's Brennan Center had uh, noted the Brennan Center for Justice that 21 states have filed some 46 bills to make it more difficult to vote. That comes after 14 states had already instituted restrictions to make it more difficult to vote before the 2016 elections. So it's hilarious how wrong the uh, Trump administration is, but to Republicans, it's not hilarious at all, at least to Republican lawmakers who are using that sort of nonsense, that BS and nonsense to pass laws to make it harder for you to vote Donald Trump and all of those Republicans out of office. Recall one of the big complaints about the new attorney general, Jeff Sessions, that he deliberately uh, brought false voter fraud charges against African-American civil rights champions. Remember this in Alabama back in the 80s when he served as the uh, U.S. attorney there. That was enough at the time to keep him from being confirmed as a federal judge under uh, under Ronald Reagan. But today's Republican Party, they just confirmed him last week to be the nation's top law enforcement official. So how's that going to work out? When it comes to uh, enforcing the Voting Rights Act. Well, that that, you know, this this came after uh, (laughs) Trump's false voter fraud claims a week or uh, a week or two ago. After that, he named Vice President Mike Pence to oversee this major investigation into all of these false claims of voter fraud. So you're going to have Jeff uh, Jeff Sessions uh, once again. I guess we'll see looking at African-American civil rights uh, outfits and and claiming they're committing voter fraud and non-citizens committing voter fraud. And you're going to have Mike Pence heading this major investigation. Well, Mike Pence in Indiana on voter fraud. We talked about this before the election in Indiana. Mike Pence was the governor of Indiana. And he claimed that there was a huge voter fraud investigation going on in his own state. 
So Pence leading the probe should raise great concerns if anyone remembers that story that we tried to bring to people's attention. When he was governor of Indiana last year, there was this high-profile so-called investigation of voter registration organizations. Just one week before the state's voter registration deadline, the Indiana State Police raided the offices of the Indiana Voter Registration Project. A hold was put on the applications collected by the group. Thousands of them. Most of them were from black voters. Pence claimed during the campaign that there was this major voter fraud investigation in his state. That's what he was referring to. But despite thousands of Indiana registrations that were blocked so far, at least there's been no charges whatsoever about anybody. And very few, if anybody, has talked about it since Election Day in Indiana. This is the guy, Mike Pence, who is now going to be in charge of Donald Trump's major investigation into voter fraud. That state investigation was using state resources, by the way, uh, taxpayer resources. But we'll so we'll see if anything comes of it. I would not hold your breath waiting for millions of illegal voters. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's funny. It would be funny if it weren't so goddamn un-American. And uh, that's why we need to point this stuff out over and over and over again. You can laugh at how wrong these guys are, how much they are lying to the American people, how much the, Amer the president of the United States and his top officials are blatantly lying. But we need to keep responding. We need to keep uh, putting the facts out there because they need these lies to create their false reality. They need these lies to create their false reality on immigration, on elections and on anything else. Because the truth does not agree with their BS and nonsense. Quick break, and we're back with uh, our last few minutes here on the broadcast today. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. It's Well, there was a while when we were happy about it raining out here in California. Yeah. Those days are over, I uh, think. For the moment, for they the moment. certainly are. There's a, an atmospheric river, which is a specific kind of weather phenomenon that's basically aiming a fire hose of moisture from Hawaii all the way to the northern California, Sierra Nevadas. And I want to talk about that because there's some warnings. We've got just a minute or two here. Welcome back, by the way, to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And I'm sorry that I was had to go on and on about that, but after a, you know, a, a weekend of this stuff and nonsense and made up stuff uh, that I see as very dangerous. 
Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I just had to respond to it. And, you know, I guess the same thing. Uh, <laughs> these lies, these dangerous lies about climate. Well, sure, because uh, if you don't identify the problem accurately, you cannot identify the solutions or protect people, which is what Northern California is facing right now with this atmospheric river bringing a huge amount of rain. It's it's probably one of the strongest storms in, in decades. And you say and, atmospheric river. In other words, a huge amount of water just pouring into northern right. and, and uh, central California. Yes, and specifically in northern California where the water system is already very strained. We've been talking, of course, about the Oroville Dam, which is for now stabilized, but up north further and, and in the region as well around the Sacramento Delta, uh, they've had to open up levees, they've had to open up spillways, they've had to open up other reservoirs in order to relieve the pressure on these dams. And there has been a nationwide, I mean, a, a statewide sort of evacuation advisory from the National Weather Service warning people to be ready in case any of the levees in the Sacramento Delta break. Apparently, uh, we're talking about the next 36 hours places that are already uh, saturated and flooded. Um, we could see a foot of rain is what uh, Eric Holdhouse and the uh, National Weather bad, Service yeah. so we'll is see reporting what happens. here. Yeah. A foot of rain in just the uh, just the next 36 hours. So we're keeping our eyes on uh, on Oroville, the dam and uh, mudslides and evacuations that were already happening over the weekend. I know up in Santa Barbara, we ran into a uh, an evacuation order. So um, people are being warned to have your go bag ready over the next uh, couple of days. If you're in central or northern California, this could also affect us down here in southern California. Have your go bag ready in case you have to evacuate. Uh, all right. We got. Yeah, I know. We got to get out. Sorry. I ran late. Blame it. all. It's all my fault. My apologies. Uh, my thanks to our producer today, Desi Doyen. My thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it uh, for free as ever at bradblog.com. I know you have many choices for your radio listening pleasure. So we thank you for flying uh, with Air Bradcast today. <laughs> We especially thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help this, you know, keep this plane afloat over your public airwaves. Couldn't do it without you. You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad blog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 